You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love. Hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Live on the free Odyssey app. We now return to Meter and the Coach. Call the show at 401-737-1287. Southern New England Sports Original, 1037 WEI. Welcome back. Second and final hour of Meter and the Coach. Last week I was not here dealing with about a vertigo, which is not fun for those of you that have had it. I'm sure many of our audience, unfortunately, have had it. Uh, Tim, I don't recommend vertigo, that's for sure. But thanks to Scott Cordishi for uh, helping out. And I know a big topic of discussion was the Ed Cooley return. And Joe Hassett was scheduled to join you, but he had uh, a bout of uh, an illness as well. But now he's on with us from Philadelphia, getting up early in Philly. Joe, good morning. How are you? Good, Coach. How are you doing? You know, I got this uh, laryngitis from that game. It's, it's starting to come back a little bit. I'm crossed between Kim Carnes and Lou Rawls now when I'm talking, you know, so I should probably <laughs> get into a recording studio. <laughs> we like it. Uh, Betty Davis eyes from Kim Carnes. But, Joe, uh, yeah. I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you back to Ed Cooley's return. And what was it like sitting courtside with all the frenzies surrounding that? And uh, what did you make of uh, that day for Providence? Well, you know, in Providence, I've been calling the games now for 39 years. I can't, I'm, I'm old now. I'm really old. But when I look at that, I played at Providence, and, you know, we've had a ton of sellouts in that place. It's, it's been packed. You know, we played the number one team in the country twice in there. And, you know, so we've had some great crowds. And, and I remember playing a two-overtime game, and, you know, nobody sat down. You know, when we played Michigan years ago, 100 years ago. But that crowd there, the thing, the difference between that crowd and and the crowds of of game big sellouts that we've had over the years is the the venom in the place. I mean, there was a lot of people who had some choice words for uh, Cooley during the whole ball game, and, and it never stopped. You know, it was just nonstop, and you know, it was actually a pretty good ball game. The Friars came out a winner in it, but um, it, it wasn't a pleasant atmosphere for him. It was a pleasant atmosphere for all the Friar fans, but uh, it was quite boisterous and it was a place where that a ticket i was playing golf in the summertime and people were begging me for tickets for that game in january so <laughs> you know and i said it was unbelievable you know they were selling courtside for sixty four hundred dollars on seat geek you know, so oh. it, it was you know it was like an nba game you know when you're talking about how many people wanted to go to that game but um it, it was you know he had to get get it done and get it over with but i don't think the every time he comes back i think it's going to be similar and it won't go away, I don't think, well, until the students, those students graduate. And the fans in the stands who have been there for a while, uh, they all die. That's the only way it's going to end because, I don't, you know, Providence is, you know, they're, they're very loyal to their program. <laughs> yes, they are. And certainly Kim English has done a great job. We're going to get into that in a moment. But uh, the post-game thoughts from Ed Cooling uh, was 
was it too much for Med so taking the majority of the credit for where Providence is now and basically crediting himself for all the success they've had? What did you make of that? Well, you know, he credited a lot of people. You know, he credited, you know, Father Shanley and, you know, and, and everybody who gave him the opportunity, Bob Biscoe and, you know, Steve Napolillo. You know, and then he went on and say, you know, that he should get a bonus check, the crowd being in there. You know, as former player, and all of us that came before uh, Ed got there, you know, <laughs> you know, we had a pretty good program before he got there. Um, you know, you have three Hall of Fame coaches that came out of Providence. You know, you had Dave Gavitt in the Hall of Fame. Rick Pitino was in the Hall of Fame, took a team to the Final Four. Rick Bonds has just in the, been inducted to the Hall of Fame, uh, the coach of Texas. You know, we had Pete Gillen, you know, Tim Welsh did a great job there in state tournament bids. And, you know, so to hear that, you know, and then Ed made another comment about how, you know, he hopes Kim English leaves the program better than what he got it. It was like a slap in the face to all the players who played there and the coaches who coached there. And I, I just think, you know, it's like the program never existed before Ed Cooley got there, which was kind of, you know, I, I didn't think that was a nice thing to say. But, you know, Ed did a terrific job while he was there. I mean, you know, he took over for Keno Davis, which was, you know, it was one of the worst coaching hires that Providence ever had. And he had to stop from rock bottom, <laughs> similar to what he's doing at Georgetown right now. But he got it going, you know, the first year, second year, got some players to come in and did a really good job. So maybe that will happen at Georgetown. But I think what people were upset about it in Providence was the way it went down, you know, uh, during the season. You know, the Friars last year were in the top 20 for 10 straight weeks. And, yep. you know, they were looking at looking at an NCAA tournament team that could have competed. And, you know, when you look at the Final Four last year, Connecticut won the whole thing, Big East School. Well, Providence beat Connecticut last year. They played Miami, was another Final Four team at Mohegan Sun, and lost them in a close game. And then you had Florida Atlantic and San Diego State in the Final Four. You know, North Carolina, George, North Carolina, Syracuse, Louisville, they didn't even make the tournament last year. So it was a tremendous year to get, you know, to get into the tournament in advance. But, you know, the Friars lost six of the last seven games. The only game they won in that stretch was Georgetown at Georgetown. And Patrick Ewing mailed it in in January of last year. You know, he wouldn't even, I mean, he didn't even get up out of timeouts. So people saw that, you know, basketball fans at Providence are pretty knowledgeable. Those people have been going to the games a long time. And when you see that happen, you know, it's fine to leave. You know, Rick Pitino went to the Final Four and he went to take the Nick job. God bless him. You know, Rick Bonds went to Clemson, you know, doubled his salary, had a plane to go recruit, which Providence didn't have. And that's good for him. And Pete Gillen took his team to the Elite Eight. And, you know, then he went to uh, Virginia. So you can you can leave at any time. I don't have a problem with that. But I think you have to really work hard for the, for the program that you're working for now. It gave you an opportunity and paying you a lot of money to, to get it done while you're there. And don't be trying to get another job someplace else while you're in season, you know. And uh, that, that's what I think he should have done. And in retrospect, he probably would have liked to have done that. And I think it would have been a much better situation for him now but unfortunately that didn't happen and that's the only thing I mean to leave a college coaching job I mean that happens all the time and you know it happens at Providence a lot so but you, you know just make sure when you do it that you 
you give the team you're coaching now the best possible shot you have. Well, Joe, uh, good morning. Thanks for coming on from Philadelphia. Uh, like Kim English, I like to talk about basketball, basketball questions. That's what Kim said last week. They were asking him, he said, can you get ask me some questions about the actual game? Because as you said, the, the game last week was very entertaining. It was a great game. And uh, I want, but I want to go, go back to earlier in the week, the game at UConn. Uh, I, I really thought, and listen, we all know no moral victories. That's not even a discussion at Providence or in, in the Big East. Uh, you know, you're not DePaul. You, you know, that's where you get moral victories. But it, it, Providence wants to win all these games. But I thought they really showed well playing in stores. And, and, and to me, uh, the transition from Bryce Hopkins being in the lineup to him being out now, I think it's complete. I think they figured out their rotations. But to me, I thought the toughness was very evident. And that can go a long way because that travels well, toughness. And uh, where is Providence right now from that game the other night to moving forward here in the last month and a half of the season? Well, Kim English has done a terrific job. I mean, and it's based on, he, he starts everything with defense, but he wants to get the offense from the defense because, you know, they're, they, they're undersized, you know, and you've been a coach a long time, Tim. When you're undersized, you have to find a way to win. And, and the way to do that is you have to get up on the defensive end, create some turnovers, and when the shot goes up, you got a gang rebound. All five guys have to get on the glass. And being on the size means you're faster than the other team. So you got to get down the floor and get on a fast break and get some easy baskets, and that's what they do. Their best offense is when they get the rebound and get down the floor quickly for some quick shots. And the way they stand now, you know, they're right in the hunt because there was going into last yesterday's games, there was four teams at five and five in the middle of the conference, right there, you know, right, right in the NCAA tournament picture. You had St. John's, who Providence lost to by two in New York, and Providence has them at home again. Xavier, Providence lost to at home, went right after Hopkins got hurt, and they have to go to play Xavier. Xavier's playing very well right now. He's a good team. Butler, who beat, uh, they were 5-5. Five and five. They beat Creighton at Creighton the other night. But Providence beat Butler at home, so they have to play them on the road. So you got those four teams right in Providence themselves. So those four teams are in the mix, and you're going to play each other. But two of those games are on the road. Now, tonight we have Villanova, who's 4-6. and six. Villanova has a win against North Carolina, a win against um, uh, Maryland, and Texas Tech. So they have some good out-of-conference wins. So they desperately need this game to get to 5-6. and six. So you got these teams that are right in the mix, and whoever comes out of this February run, I think, is going to have a good chance at the NCAA tournament. And not not to forget that Providence has UConn, the last game of the year, at home, which I think UConn is loaded. I mean, they're, they're a team that can go to the Final Four again. I mean, they're, they're really good. But Providence is right in it, and it's credit to Kim English and the players that, they, that they're in the point. When you lose one of your best players, your best rebounder, nine rebounds a game, he was the backup center. You know, Oduro. Oduro, how about Oduro? He's one of the best players in the conference and nobody talks about. I mean, he's, he just wore out Klingham the last game. I mean, just was, was terrific. And he was in foul trouble the whole game. But they're a team that's fun to watch, and he's got them believing that they can beat anybody, which is which is great. Yeah, Joe, I want to get back to that, too. Uh, Meter and I were just discussing the landscape of college basketball. And to me, I think right now, this morning, it's UConn, it's North Carolina, it's Purdue, and Tennessee. I think those are the four best teams, clearly, right now. But you saw Connecticut up close and personal 
uh, earlier in the week. I, I want to get your take on them, where you think they are. Are they better than last year? Uh, what makes them go? I mean, I think they're really great, but you you saw them up close. Uh, give us your take on UConn. Yeah, it, you know, better than last year. I mean, they're close, I'll tell you that. I mean, yeah, you know, they, they won the national championship last year, so they got a ways to go to be better than them, I think, but they're really, really close. But Klingham is is so much better than he was last year. I mean, he's just a monster inside. You see him in person, he's seven feet two. I mean, everybody looks small next to him. The guys with six ten look small next to him. Caravan was standing next to him who's six ten, a good player. And he looked like a guard standing next to Klingham. And so it says such a force in there. And the guards for Connecticut are really good. I mean, Tristan Newton's a fifth year guy who's excellent. The kid Spencer, the transfer from Rutgers, He's really good. I mean, they, he was, he's a shooter. They replaced the other shooter they had last year, went to the NBA, with probably a better shooter. And he gets his own shot. And he, he's a fifth-year senior. And the kid off the bench, Diara, is a senior who was at Texas A&M for two years. So they have a backcourt that's like NBA guys. They have a young frontcourt, but they're Caravan and um, Klingham. And the kid, um, I forget his name, the freshman, he scored 20 against Providence, and he's a very good defensive player. He's, he guarded Carter better than anybody I've seen all year. Carter for Providence. So they have all the tools. They're, they're deep off the bench. I mean, I think they're going to be tough to beat. All the teams that I've watched this year, if Connecticut, when they're in the tournament, I don't know if anybody's going to beat them. I think they're, they're, they're a team that's, um, from top to bottom, they're really, really good. Yeah, no, I think that I, I said that earlier, Joe, and, you know, obviously it's a crapshoot this year with the parity in college basketball. Uh, Rick Pitino was outspoken. I don't know if you heard that after the game yesterday about NIL uh, and what they need to do and how they should just abolish the NCAA, basically, and the enforcement arm of the NCAA. But from what Kim English has done at Providence, do you see him as a stabilizer? Do you see him as a guy that can keep this program moving in the right direction? Oh, I do. I mean, he he's a terrific recruiter. Rick Bonds, he worked for Rick Bonds at uh, Tennessee. And Rick told me that he recruited his three best players. So he's a guy that, you know, he, he relates to the kids very well. He's 35 years old. and You know, he, he plays in practice with them. And, he, you know, he's a guard. He played for the Pistons for one year, then went over to Europe. So he's still a contemporary player. And, you know, he relates to them very well. And he knows the game. He really understands what he wants done out there, and he and he makes guys accountable for what he wants. I think going forward, he's got some of the best recruits in the country coming in. He had one kid who was ranked number 12 in the country at the Georgetown game. So that kid had to be impressed with the, the, the environment in there. But, you know, the NIL meter, is, is, is that's a problem because, you know, you, you're going to lose kids because they're going to make more money somewhere else. And I think over time, eventually, the big football schools, they have the biggest pockets, and you know if you want to, you want a Tim Wells to come to come to your school, and you say, okay, I have an NIL deal for you for two hundred fifty thousand a year, which is better than NBA money when I was playing. You know, a team like Alabama can give you a half a million. It's no problem. They don't even know they're spending it because they got so much money in the program. So you're going to probably lose the players that you you want to have initially. But the good thing is, there's plenty of good basketball players in the country. And you can develop kids. You know, look at Tyler Kolick. Nobody wanted him coming out of high school. Right. Went to Georgia. Nobody wanted him. You know, Providence, Providence could have had him, but they gave him a week a week off and told him he was going to play like 12 minutes a game. 
so he didn't want to come. He would have been buried on the bench. And me and Shaka Smart says, "Hey, I got an opportunity for this kid." And look at him. He's got like the Tom Brady attitude. I know. I know um, Kyler's dad. I used to play a lot of uh, tournaments at the end of my NBA career around New England and play with his father. Father was a good player, Kevin Coley. And you know, I, th- I told him, I said, he has the Tom Brady mentality now because everybody he plays against. Like yesterday, he goes out and they torch Georgetown. They had 91 points. Marquette did. And and Tyler knows that he didn't get a, a full offer from Providence. So he plays against Providence. Like, I'm going to show you, you didn't think I was good enough. And it was great. Because every team he <laughs> plays against at some point, they probably, you know, they probably like, ah, he's not good enough to play in the Big East. And he only made play of the year last year. And he might do it again this year. I mean, it's just like, uh, there's plenty, and the point I'm making is this, plenty of players out there. You just have to find them. You know, that's the way it works. Yeah, yeah I noticed that. Kolek had, what, 32 yesterday against Georgetown. Good for him. Uh, Devin Carter, Tim's called him one of the best players in the country. Uh, why, why has he gotten better this year? I think his roles expanded a lot because when Hopkins went down, uh, Carter had to be more of a, a presence out there for him. You know, it wasn't a one-two punch. But Oduro's that one-two punch now, the big kid in the middle. He is a very, very good player. But Carter... He's the best two-way player in the country, I think, because he can score. He can hit three-pointers from 35 out. He gets to the basket. And on defense, to give you a story, we played Seton Hall the other night on the road. Game had to win. And the point guard for Seton Hall had hit seven straight buckets in the second half. Wow. So they put Coach English puts Carter on him, had two points the rest of the way. He just <laughs> shut him down. So whatever hot on another team, they, they put him on him. And he just, I mean, they might make a shot here or there, but they, they know where he is. And they, he really, he did that to the kid at Georgetown. Epps was 0 for 9 from 3 when they put Carter on him. He couldn't make a shot. First time he made a shot when somebody else was on him. So Carter can play both ends. NBA guys love him because he can play on the defensive end and he can score on the other end. So, yeah, he's, he's, he's a player of the year candidate as well. There's a lot of good players in the Big East this year that could possibly win that award. Yeah, Joe, just to get back to the NIL stuff, and, and, you know, it is kind of maddening, and Peter and I were talking about it. I'm I'm trying to just enjoy the games for the purity of the games. But, you know, you talk to these coaches around the country, and especially a lot of the ones that have been in the business a long time, not the younger guys like Kim, but some of the guys like like a Bill Self or a Porter Moser at Oklahoma. And these guys have been coaches. They all got into coaching to coach. And now it's about everything else. And it's total free agency where every year, every player could leave your program. And where do you think that's going? And how do you think it's affected college basketball? Well, I say in today's day and age, I say, you know, the ADs all used to talk about, you know, and student athlete, the student athlete this, the student athlete that. No, you know, they're professional athletes now that happen to be students. That's what it comes down to. And on every staff, you need a general manager. You know, you, you have the top 50 guys who will possibly be in the in the portal. And it's all about the money now. And, that, and you know, last year, you talk about, I was talking about the NBA contract when that comes up, the TV contract. Well, last year, Nielsen ratings, the top 200 shows in the ratings in last year in the country. Top 14 of those 200 were sporting events. So 
the money now wants to go to sporting events. And college basketball is a very, very popular one. Football is number one, but college basketball is very, very popular. So the money's going to be there. So the NIL money has to arrive because I don't think you can turn back the clock now, Tim, because, you know, the Supreme Court, 9-0, you're not going to overturn the Supreme Court. And these kids are going to have they, – they're going to get paid. But the coaches now, you know, the coaches you mentioned, they got into coaching for coaching. But, you know, Bill Self's, what, making $9 million a year now? <laughs> so he's like a, you know, a corporate CEO. So his job has changed. His role has changed. So he has to go out and make sure he gets players that he can win with, and you got to pay them. So – and I, I think that's the way the game has changed. It's going to evolve to that. And, you know, coaching today, I mean, the coaches are making huge money. And, you know, look at the coaches at Detroit Pistons. Well, how many games they won? Six? He's may sign a $76 million contract. So, you know, I think the game has been tougher for the coaches, but it's also they're getting paid. And if it was an easy job, everybody would be doing it. But I think when it comes to college basketball, um, I don't know if you can put a cap. I think I think if I had a – there's a lot of ways you can go. I know I'm rambling here, but you got a cap in all the professional sports, but you don't have one in college basketball or football. I mean, so a precedent's been set where you can have a cap, so you should have a cap in basketball and football on how much each team can spend, and that'll level the playing field. Yeah, and before one last, last basketball question, I I firmly believe you can't have total free agency every year. I mean, if you're going to pay these guys and there's going to be a cap, as you suggest, uh, they've got to be under contract. You have to have a contract. You know, everyone says the coaches can leave. Sure, they can leave, but there's a there's a buyout agreement mo- most of the time. I mean, if Providence got a huge buyout when Ed Cooley went to Georgetown, uh, so players just can, I don't think can have it both ways where they can leave without some. There's got to be some sort of penalty. That's just the way the world works. I mean, if can you imagine if every player on the Celtics could leave every year? I mean, it would be maddening. So I, I would think that you have to have come up with a cap, like you suggested, in some sort of contract now where, okay, yeah, you're getting paid, but if you leave, you know, you have to pay us back something, or there's got to be some sort of penalty. I agree 100%. You know, there should be a contract, and they need to do that. I mean, the cap, the cap is very doable, but you should have a contract. I mean, guys shouldn't be able to, to pop all around the place. And, you know, I think they signed – in the old days with scholarship-wise, worrying about hardship cases, you used to sign a one-year contract when I was playing. It would be one year, you know, go year to year. And the same token, you know, you, you know, the coach could decide that, you know, we don't want to bring you back. So you have to go in the portal and have to go into someplace else. But I agree there should be some kind of contractual setup uh, for every every school because I, I, this way, to jump around the way they want to jump around. But I think you can only transfer once without sitting out. And then the second time you transfer, you have to sit out. So I don't know. They can change the rules, but they brought in the former governor of Massachusetts to, to sit on that, to take charge of that and see what he can come up with. So I think the sooner the better, because I think college basketball is, is only getting hurt by what's going on here. Joe, outstanding points as always a phenomenal guest. We appreciate you waking up with us. Uh, one last uh Philadelphia related question before your game at six. You going to John's Rose Pork today or what? Nah. <laughs> I'm not, you know, it's just like a quick in and out. We have a six o'clock game on Fox. I mean, they, they control all the times and everything. But yeah, that sounds like a, a good spot there. But 
I think I'll just eat with the team and, and shoot on all over there. You know, last all year right. we had meters. Last year we were here and we had um, the 49ers were playing Philadelphia. We were playing Villanova at noontime. And we're taking two buses because we had alumni with us and donors on the plane. We're taking two buses and we're pulling in to the stadium. We're going to play right next door to where the Eagles are playing. And they thought we were the 49ers and the Philadelphia fans all mooning us in the cars, sticking their butts out the car and throwing us the finger. They thought we were the 49ers. The whole ride to the game was just a madhouse. It was like, like a bad movie. <laughs> That's that is great. That's a good one. I haven't heard that one, Joe. So be safe down there. We know those Philly fans are crazy. You got the Philly oh, yeah. experience. I love it, Joe. Great stuff, man. Look look forward to catching you again soon, and uh, good luck on the call tonight. Thank you. All right, guys. Good talking to you. We'll see you. Thanks, you Joe. Joe Hassett. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. That clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.